0: Well, greetings, gentlemen. A phenomenal and frankly sunny day to you all. I hear some of you are absolutely just crushing. Ascendant. Thriving. In fact. And I praise God for it. Bass guitarist, what's up? I enjoyed some sweet shredding last night. It was very good, and then I had to go to bed. You late you late people god bless you well gentlemen it's been a uh, wonderful uh, weekend of travels and a fellowship fellowship of the paddle missouri was a great time uh, with the uh, shepherds crook intensive the men's camp phenomenal um all male space, man, it's a powerful thing. So it was uh, wonderful, probably about 40 dudes on a river in Missouri somewhere. Um, it's really good to meet some of you in person as well. It's always, it's always great to move online relationships into the real world. I-R-L, in real life, that's right. And um, yeah, I got to have some good, uh, really good campfire chats, some really good uh, canoe side chats. Um, one of our great Anons almost drowned and was saved by Baywatch Brandon. It was very impressive and uh, mutually uplifting, edifying. A very edifying experience for all involved. It was wonderful. Well, Marcel, <laughs> a good day to you, fine sir. I hope your farm uh, has had a marvelous Crop, a marvelous um harvest. We need to have a phone call sometime soon. That'll be wonderful. Drongo, a good, a good Swedish evening to you, sir. Solemn Sentinel, greetings. And the Copper Star. (laughs) And the Copper Star. New number, who this. Uh what is that favorite fishing one? Like your rapper name is your middle name and your third grade teacher's last name. (laughs) Nice try, Fed. Nice try of course our obligatory disclaimer our boog is not against flesh and blood but against clowns in institutional high places feds you are welcome here as long as you drop your sweet cash in our local economies and don't report people for raw milk violations that would be that would would have some words over that it's our one illegal honeypot activity trafficking of raw milk for pet consumption in Minecraft. Get it right. Marcel, blessed. Well, praise God, brother. We went to our Amish farm today uh, to go pick up some more raw milk. Uh, They have some, uh, (laughs) as is becoming of the Amish, they have their own puppy mill. Uh, They have sweet corgis running around. They have like six corgis running around and licking you and being very cute. I'm sure it's a marketing trick. Like, okay, okay, the English is coming now. Quickly, go lick his feet and make cute puppy noise. And that is what they proceeded to do. Uh, My wife now wants a corgi. Thank you, Jacob. Very cool. (laughs) Cup of star. Raw milk. That's right. Ellen, welcome, sir. I make smoothies from raw milk and ice cubes from collected rainwater. Sir, you are perhaps the healthiest smoothie enjoyer on this chat. That is very impressive. Acid rain is a hoax. Don't believe them, folks. Collect rainwater for your sweet smoothies. <laughs> star. the corgis, have the Amish been subverted? Yes, probably so. What is the normal? puppy mill breed for the Amish by God. I hope it's not a pit bull. Hmm? There's demographic things going on there. Well, gentlemen, um, yeah, we had a great time in Missouri. Um, you know, it's, it really is amazing. Just the, the energy and encouragement, uh, of being in the male space. So I would encourage a lot of you to really be intentional you know, even if it's just like once a month or something, but having a bunch of dudes go camping or go do an activity uh, or go work a project or whatever, where it's just dudes, uh, phenomenal for the morale. Let me tell you just white pills all around had to wear sunglasses. It was that, it was that white billing, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, we, we chatted a lot about Dominion, uh, you know, just all the, all the usual things that we bang on in this, in this drum circle, uh, Dominion, no victimhood, uh, taking authority and at appropriate scale, you know, the, the scales of family, local economy, tribal institutions, really pumped about that. Um, and then a lot of, uh, practical local economy talk, you know, how to practically, uh, get your food, your food sovereignty back from vertically integrated multinational corporations. Um, and so, you know, one of the most commonly asked questions um, is how, like, how do you start? How do you start going about that that journey? Um, and I think that's why there's been such a huge pushback on like farmer's markets. Like farmer's markets are a hub of white, white. Farmers, hello. Farmer's markets are a hub of white supremacy. <laughs> Very cool. But it's because it's it's real connection, right? It's, it's cutting out... It's cutting out the middleman. No Birch Gold involved when you go direct to the farmer. And uh, you know, it's it's connecting people with how food is made. It's connecting people with the actual producers and source. Uh, you know, the people who source food and uh, uh, package it and, and move it and stuff like that. You, you're not just going to a multinational grocery store, and that's incredibly dangerous uh, if your aim is to make your citizenry reliant you know if if we want food sovereignty we're going to have to uh, do the things that they don't want us to do and what is the number one buzzword to stop us doing things uh, that they don't want us to do is white supremacy or racism which of course we all know just means white people who are not ashamed of being white white people who are not going to be reliant on hostile institutions we will not uh we will not become subservient to hostile institutions we will not be guilt tripped we will not be shamed we will not be manipulated we will not be punished anymore you know if you really understand this thing of christian nationalism you know because a lot of guys are like oh, Scott, why didn't you just be a nationalist like what's up why is what's the importance of christianity when it comes to you know that's yeah uh, just drop that fag stuff when you understand the importance of christ is that He is the, you know, it's, it's the same thing of saying like, well, why is being debt-free important to nationalism? Because debt, because debt-free men are uncontrollable. Debt-free men cannot be canceled. Debt-free men cannot be, uh, threatened, you know, with their livelihoods and all this kind of stuff. The same way that, that indebted men can be. Now it's the same with Christ. A man who is subservient to Christ, who is washed and cleaned by the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Who has confessed with his mouth and believed in his heart that christ is lord that man is freed from shame from guilt from condemnation what is what is the only tool that the media has against us that academia that the church you know the the popular church has against us uh, is shame condemnation guilt you know you saw this with the donald in 2016 you know And you're seeing that I I haven't, you know, again, chaps, I'm, uh, I, I'm ignorant, but from what I've gathered from my sources on the birding app, uh, the wheelchair, uh, Republican candidate, uh, he divulged apparently some things that were going on, some shady things that were going on in DC. And so all they did was scoop some dirt out on him and run, run the press. And the guy has to, you know, I, I, from what I hear, he did a good job of not buckling. But everyone around him buckled. Everyone around him was like, oh, it's shameful. I'm so condemned, punish me. And apparently he's lost his primary or whatever, and he's, ah, get him out of here. It's the same with, with the Donald, right? They, they tried to uh, bring dirt. Anytime a white man needs to be controlled, whether it's relationships, business, uh, culturally, you know, communally, you try and find dirt on them that is a taboo or a sin, and you you publicly shame them. You publicly accuse or condemn them, uh, and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. Please, I I repent. I I remove myself. I resign. I throw myself under the bus." Or if they won't throw themselves under the bus, everyone else around them will will throw them under the bus. They're like, "Ah, that's shameful, bloody, eh, bloody bigot. Eh, Shame on you." I could never tarnish my witness, (laughs) you know. And and you throw these guys under the bus. The Donald had fu money. He had fu frame. He had uh, he had some right-or-die guys as well. Uh, all the anons uh, you could say, were right-or-die because, you know, not because we thought the Donald was some paragon of virtue or anything. It's just we knew that, you know, this guy was going to destroy our enemies. This guy was going to wreak havoc for the people that we wanted havoc. And so all of us were like, yeah, we, uh, we couldn't care less if this guy grabbed five cats, let me tell you. <laughs> because he's going to do what no moral, virtuous Christian politician has done before, uh, which is to which is to say, F you to the status quo uh, and to those who who are punishing us and, and subjecting us. So so this is the great importance of Christianity in Christian nationalism, in any nationalist framework, is how do you deal with this low-grade generational condemnation and shame that white men carry around with them? Why do they carry shame and condemnation around with them? Is because every authority figure, every trusted institution, for the last 70 years, I don't know, it could be more, has told white men that they are shameful, worthy of punishment, absolute pieces of trash. Why? Well, slavery. You know, slavery is one of their favorite ones too. Ah, slavery. And it's like, chaps, slavery carries on around the world to this very day. My ancestors were the only ones who have actually officially, institutionally put a stop uh, to slavery. You know, I I regret it, but I myself let my last slave free. Uh, you know, now that I see that I was duped, I am quite aggrieved by it. Uh, but I've let I've left my slaves go, and I hear my friends have let let all their slaves go, uh, much to their chagrin. You know, it's it's a sad state of affairs. We don't have our slaves anymore. <laughs> you know, it's it's absolute it's absolute idiocy. You know, when white boys can't see. What they're up to. When people trot out the slavery grievance, number one, slavery is not a sin in the Bible. You know, we had old third, third way killer over there. And unless it's the real third way, you know, which is culturally culturally conservative, economically liberal, the real third way. Uh it's it's the fake and gay third way, which is culturally liberal and economically conservative. And it's like, hey, bloody. <laughs> you know, anyway. Old killer the other day was like oh, the sin of slavery is going to be seen you know we all look back now at the sin of slavery and we know it's so bad. I was like no uh, actually majority of the world looks at slavery and and thinks it's wonderful and it's carrying on right now bucko. And then number two, slavery is not a sin in the Bible. Man stealing is a sin. Kidnapping is a sin. But the buying and selling and maintenance of slaves that's not a sin. It's not a biblical sin. So I think in the book of Luke where Jesus says, "Woe to you lawyers, you know, you fancy priestly boys who load, load up the people with burdens that they cannot carry. That is what condemnation for non-sins, for taboos. So a sin and a taboo, right? A sin is when you break a law of God, an explicit scriptural prohibition. If you break that, you are in sin. A taboo Is a cultural custom often upheld by women in polite society. For instance, smoking, right? Smoking is now a cultural taboo. Many Christians, oh, if I smoke, I'm in sin and going to hell. It's like, uh, please, line and, you know, uh, chapter and verse, please. Where is that? You know, it's the same even for drinking. You know, I I went to a church service, I don't know, a couple weeks back, and the guy was like, I never let that bloody perfidious alcohol even touch these lips. You know, and was railing on about how. Alcohol is is a sin and evil and blah 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 and it's like chaps drunkenness is what you're talking about. Drunkenness is pro, is has a prohibition in the scripture. Not drinking alcohol. In fact, you know. Anyway, so so what you are seeing is taboos, right? There are many taboos uh, that we through through lawyers through Pharisees who burden us with condemnation. We have come to think that they are sins. That there are sins that God wants to punish. And there is so much freedom, number one, in that God is not punishing me anymore. If you have confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ has made you clean, bro, then you're clean, bro. There is no more condemnation. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. And so we have preachers, we have media, we have academia who tell us how much we should be condemned. They are doing the work of their father, Satan. They are doing the work of the accuser, they are accusing us of sins that we have not done. They are accusing us of taboos, which they are saying are sins. Or if there were very real sins, we those were sins either of our father or our past selves that we have repented of. Once you have repented and made restitution, you are clean, bro, you are free. And so we we are in this incredible time where a resurgence of Christian nationalism You know, I believe God is putting it on the hearts of, uh, you know, there is a wave, you know, a pendulum swing where we have been in an intense generational space of individualism and nihilism and uh, abundance and pleasure and uh, empire and globalism and all that stuff. And uh, there's a hard reset. There's a hard swinging of of the pendulum back to patriarchy, back to localism back to tribalism, back to nationalism. And it's up to us Christians to lead and guide the swing of that pendulum. That, pendul- that pendulum is not going to stop. That pendulum is, is going hard. It's up to us to prepare the way for it. You know, the pagans the pagans see what's going on. The pagans see what's going on with white hatred, with with white punishment, and they are rightly aggrieved. They are rightly saying, we will not be punished anymore. We will not not be subject to outgroup hatred, outgroup parasitism, outgroup punishment anymore. However, their prescription, their solution is not a biblical solution, you know, and this is where it's important for Christians. You know, you get all these Christian influencers and leaders and media and academia and churchy guys who won't touch nationalism with a 10-foot pole, who won't touch identity, who won't touch tribalism, who won't touch patriarchy, who won't touch family or localism, any of these things that that we are coming hard back into for fear of being condemned by the taboos that they have laden up the people that they lead. You know, and those taboos being racism. Racism is not a sin. There is no sin in the Bible called racism. Now, I believe what people are pointing at is murder you know if if some black guy goes and murders a white guy because he hates him you know we, we're dealing with real sins there right murder and even if he doesn't murder him if he's if he is harboring hatred in his heart you know if if a black guy is harboring hatred in his heart toward a white guy because he's white there's a very real sin that needs to be called to repentance but a black guy preferring his family to a white guy A black guy preferring his people and his place to a white guy's people and a white guy's place. Natural affection, perfectly happy, you know, perfectly wonderful to prefer his wife to everyone else's wife, to prefer his children to everyone else's children. God bless him. God bless him. Racism is not a sin. It is a cultural taboo. And you must ask, what is it? You know, if there are it's the actual ADL definition of racism (laughs) let me tell you, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's like uh, institutional power with prejudice. fella, that that you're just describing an institution. Institutions are created to to wield power for their people, to judge for their people. Of course, there's prejudice. Of course, there's prejudice with institutional power, anyway. I didn't even know how I got down this rabbit hole. Marcel, German shepherds. Yes, there are many German shepherds around here. I wonder if that's what the Amish are, are really. I mean, a corgi is kind of like a mini German shepherd, if you know what I mean. It should be called the English shepherd. Well, that might just be the sheepdog, who knows. Copperstar, uh, when the Amish own the same breed as the British royal family, it's over. Anglo-Amish, eh? Hmm, I should look into this. Uh, Alan, the traditional Amish puppy mill breeds are beagles and Aussie shepherds or red blue healers. Fascinating. German shepherds too. Yep. Marcel, moved beef from the yard to the grass. Very nice. Started veggie farm. Got elected to the school board. Manir, look at you. Yeah. Pending homeowners association board interview. My man, are you a mover and a shaker? Because this is some intense stuff. (laughs) Well done, brother. That's it, man. You're taking control of the things you can take control of. You know, this is absolute king, a uh, energy, right Yeah, Let me tell you, Archangelus, welcome, sir. Thank you. It's good to be back. Alan Madison Cawthorn is a sexual degenerate snake and Zionist as well. Only reason he didn't participate in the orgies was because his hardware <laughs> doesn't work after his car crash. Hilarious. His lack of shame isn't due uh, to an honest and free conscience, as I should be. That's a very good distinction. You know, it was the same for same for the Donald, right? His lack of shame is not due to an honest and free conscience as I should be. And that's it, man. Christian politicians, Christian media guys, Christian businessmen, Christian uh, academics and and preachers should be the most uh, honest and brave guys out there because we're clean. You know, our conscience is we have a free and honest conscience. It's really good. Copstar, I already know it's going to be ugly if I'm tried in the public square. Well, sir, that is why you do not do things to get you tried in the public square, please. Bass guitarist, it's simple. They want what we have, can't create it themselves. So they use sabotage in the form of white guilt and subversion to mentally and eventually physically conquer and destroy us. Yeah, it's it's this whole idea of fifth generation warfare. In any other in any other period, in, a, in any other uh, era, we live in a period <laughs> in any other era, era of time, mass movements of people who are not your people is called an invasion. And Tri- you know, tribal resource wars. If one tribe has violence and are being pushed out, you know, this happened in, in South Africa uh, with the the Zulus. Uh, they were a very uh, aggressive and warlike tribe and very dominant. And so they were moving, you know, raping and pillaging their way south down, the, down South Africa. And um, they were creating this great push of other tribes fleeing violence, right? Fleeing violence. And of course, they would then come into other tribes it was just a train reaction of tribal resource wars of tribal space ge- geographic wars um, And so you you come you come back to to the, the modern day with all of these young fighting age men moving, thriving, you know having families even taking war brides you know of, of the other culture um, taking the resources, of the other culture, whether that's through government institutions or just through economic, uh, economic means. There is a resource struggle, housing prices go through the roof, crime goes through the roof, uh, wages go through the floor, services are stretched. You know, we are through wartime dynamics and no one knows why it's like because uh, we are in a tribal resource war alan they didn't get rid of slavery only the legal protections of the laborers and the obligations towards them yeah you know this whole thing with with slavery man you look at the middle east you look at latin america you look at asia you look at africa slavery continues to this day like actual literal trafficking of owned humans, of kidnapped or uh, man stolen humans, it carries on to this day. Uh, you know the reason the reason there's no huge black population in Arabia is because the men were all castrated, all the the slaves were castrated when they were brought in. So there's no heritage there. You know, um, if anything, you know the the American slaves see uh, the heritage of those, those American slaves should be very thankful, you know, that they weren't as brutally treated as the rest of the world continues to treat slaves. And then you look at, at how, <clears throat> excuse me, you look at how, um, you know, cause, uh, ample wording will, will often talk about the, the need, uh, for slavery in a righteous society as a means of working off debts as a means of criminal punishment. And you can see that as being righteous. You can be like, yeah, I can see that as being righteous. You know, and you look at, you look at the, the way that foreign labor, cheap foreign labor destroys nations. You can also say like, we don't want, you know, you can also look at the other way of, you know, cause a lot of guys are like, yeah, the South, you know, slavery, all this kind of stuff. And you're like, I can still say that, you know, it's that classic meme of like, the Arnold Schwarzenegger arm and whoever that black bodybuilder's arm, like, you know, it's like (laughs) wishing slavery, wishing slavery had never existed, you know, like white people, black people, (laughs) you know, you you can, you can see the damage that a multicultural society brings. And how do you always create every multicultural society ever created has been for either cheap foreign labor or cheap foreign resources. The reason you conquer another people group and, and don't let them out of your economic zone is because you want their, their labor or their resources. And then it always leads to war, not in this generation, but definitely in the next. And so you can see how slavery of your own people, that's why it says about about the, uh, uh, I think it's in, in Leviticus or, uh, you know, one of the Pentateuchal uh, law books. It talks about, you know, the Jubilee year of forgiving debts because it's your own people group that are enslaved for debt slavery or, or criminal punishments. It's, it's all very interesting. It's all very interesting. Yeah. And then like you say, the, the legal protections of labor. So this cheap foreign labor thing, you know, now we have Latin Americans coming up and, you know, living, abs- living terrible lives. You, you have African-Americans living terrible lives in this economic zone. Uh, you have outsourced industry to Chinese laborers living terrible lives or Asian laborers living terrible lives. And then, and then we have the Silicon Valley automation, you know, robotics, technology, all that kind of stuff, which is leading to uh, lives of nihilism for the host population, right? It's also a form of, of cheap labor, cheap foreign labor, because it's not your people doing the things, Automate automation. You know, now robotics is a wonderful thing where where it reduces danger or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but where it replaces people entirely, you know, you are replacing your, your people, you are erasing your people, um, from economic productivity, from economic contribution. And then what is tied to the Silicon Valley automation is Indian tech support, you know, so you have got five different levels of cheap foreign labor or or slave labor, if you want to call it that, um, that is far below the protections and, and treatment of, of, you know, old world slavery or whatever. Copstar, I heard a pastor say that if you drank too much to legally drive, then you've drank too much for the Lord. <laughs> My goodness. You know, it's a, it's an interesting conversation. You know, these lines, I think people know what drunkenness is, you know, Drunkenness is when you lose control. And you know, I think I think there's this, you know, like gluttony. When have you when have you gluttonized? I, you know, I often for myself, you know, I've I've noticed I've started, you know, it must be this 30-year-old thing. I don't know what's going on. I notice I've been eating more. You know, you finish your first course of dinner and you go back for a second. You finish pudding and you go back for a second. And so when you notice that, you know, and then you don't feel great afterwards because your, your body's like, hey, chaps, can we sit down for a bit here, please? <laughs> Let's have a nap. You know, I don't notice it now, but if if this goes unchecked, you know, a year from now, I'm carrying 50 extra pounds or whatever. Where did I cross the line of sin? You know, so you, you can ask the same of many different taboos of many different things. It's a, it's a thing of control. Do I control my stomach or does my stomach control me? Do I control my liver or does my liver control me? Do I control my lungs or does my lungs control me? You know, it's like those bloody Mormons, you know, they would have me sitting in a prison cell right now for drinking this coffee, let me tell you. Whereas for me, you know, I can see that. I can see how coffee is a liability in my life. I spend I spend an inordinate amount of money on it. Uh, if I don't have it, I have a headache that puts me out of service. Like it's probably not good to have a reliance, but at the same time, like I enjoy it and uh, I have a clean conscience before the Lord, you know, wh- where do we draw the line? Um, you know, and so that's where, you know, philosophy comes in and helps you a lot, you know. With drunkenness, you know, it it says give. Uh, it says if a man is broken hearted or or whatever, like give him wine or give him beer. I can't remember. It also says wine, you know, strong wine and beer is a mocker and blah 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 stuff. Of course, like if a dude is mocking, you know, again, I I think this whole thing with drunkenness, like whatever's in your heart is gonna come out, you know, once your your filter is removed, which can also be a very good thing, you know. It's why it's why gentlemen enjoy a beer around a campfire. It's because again, it helps everyone relax and not be politically correct. It's wonderful, but just to outright go and say that to put alcohol on the tip of your tongue uh, is a sin and you are deserving of hellfire, uh, like like my coffee over here, uh, yeah. You know, you need you need to we need to talk about this, chips. Alan, when someone brags about their teetotaling, congratulate them on how brightly white their tombstone is very good sir very good and that's it man you know it's both ways right um paul talks about eating meat sacrificed to idols and he says if you've got a weak conscience don't do it but also don't condemn the man with a weak conscience you know and some men have a weak conscience when it comes to smoking or alcohol or you know whatever the case is and it's like don't condemn that man but also that man mustn't condemn those who have a strong conscience and can partake whatever is not of faith is sin and that's the biggest question is do you have faith that you are in a clean conscience and that you are um pleasing to the lord Copper star adl the first to be redacted well sir what if we what if we just send them a nice letter asking them to please clap please stop (laughs) please stop adl DBG, welcome, sir, and Boogaloo, Bursi, and Ruedach. Oh, no, yeah. DBG, globalist economies only work on cheap imported labor and destroy local economies and local cultures. These globalist economies require currency inequality in those foreign countries to bring them here. Yeah, and also we we unload all of this Fed printed money over there, you know, and bring resources. over. Um, yeah, there's so, so many things tying into that. The globalist leaders in the USA and Europe want to keep Asian or Latin American nations poor to harvest their labor cheaply, knowing that they will risk everything to come here at their own expense. And again, they know that they'll come here and then send all that cash back to Latin America. It's another way of uh, outsourcing inflation. It's another way of outsourcing federally printed dollars. Then it pumps the, the housing market, you know, and who benefits there? It's these huge, big hedge funds who own... Uh, who own residential properties, you know, so it's all, it's all very sinister. Copper Star, Scotty boy, all memes aside, have you ever been accused of being a fed? I understand the need to be careful, but some folks are just terrified and I don't get it. I get it, man. If you watch a lot of the news and the news is is constantly pumping you stuff of like You know, this guy said, uh, this guy baked a cake or this guy didn't bake a cake and they got him. You know, you can't be a Christian in your business. You know, and if this guy gave $10 to the truckers and now his whole business has gone under, it's all disinformation to get you petrified of living a moral life, to get you petrified of being confident. Uh, I had to come to that moment, right? In 2020, during the lockdown, I was sitting on my lawn in South Africa, reading the biography, uh, Smith, Rhodesian prime minister. And just reading his life of how brave he was and the many decisions he had to make, where not only was he risking his own life to political reprisal, social reprisal, but there were there were times when he was risking his whole country's future uh, against you know the British Empire and uh, all its wrath. And I remember reading this and just like having my heart stirred. You know, when you see other men's bravery, you, your heart stirs because you you want to be brave. It's the same way with fear and cowardice, right? When you see other men's fear and cowardice, you must fight hard the desire for your for your own fear and cowardice to rise up. That's why a a, a rout on a battlefield is so devastating, is because it, it it fear and cowardice runs rampant through the ranks. They just see one man break, the whole the whole group breaks. But it's the same way with con with confidence with bravery. You see one man give an absolute sacrifice of bravery. You you see one man call call the men to the standard and all the other men will follow. And so I I read, uh, Smith and his biography and, uh, I, I prayed to the Lord, you know, because I hadn't yet started writing or, uh, speaking very publicly on, I had been, but it was all, you know, it was all, um, late 2010s, 20 teens, uh, pop psychology, masculinity, like encourage the bros kind of stuff. None of it was, none of it was taboo. None of it was edgy as far as the edge of the Overton window, pushing the window. None of it was, um, you know, it's that it was just filler. It was just noise. Right. And so reading Smith's biography, I was like, Lord, wh- what is it you want me to do? What What is the window you want me to push? Um, and I remember writing in my journal because uh, it was like a momentous thing for me. Of there is a very real fear, especially in South Africa, where there where there are political murders. You know, it's a very real fear, um, and not even political murders from from Pan-Africanists, but but social death from all the white liberals who formerly, uh, you know, you would have known in your life, but but who are very quick uh, to socially ostracize and uh, accuse and condemn and all this kind of stuff. And so you, you just resolve, you know, you resolve to be a brave man. You resolve to speak the truth. You resolve to be a man on a mission. You know, and my mission is is for my people and my place. I, you know, I I want Anglo, the Anglosphere, English-speaking white boys, uh, to be free, to be free of punishment, to be free of condemnation, uh, to build Christendom again, to reconnect with their heritage, to reconnect with their roots, their forefathers, to honor the, their forefathers. And create a great Christendom again, you know, to be able to hand a hand a legacy, hand an inheritance to the children's children. What is that inheritance? It's the peace and prosperity of their place, of their people. And I knew that talking about that would get me vilified, it would get me attacked, um, and you have to come to terms with it may even get you killed. Now, all that Satan has is accusations, fear condemnation. And so you have to get to that place of, you know, the great American hero, uh, Stonewall Jackson, where you eventually you come to terms with your own death, you come to terms that it is the Lord uh, who counts the hairs on your head and who knows the time of your coming and going. He is your shield and your great reward. You know, and he has that great quote, uh, Stonewall Jackson, where he says, you know, that knowledge allows him to, uh, sleep soundly, uh, and, and, you know, live coolly, whether he is safe at home in his bed or on the front being shot at. It's that knowledge of, of the saving work of Christ, of a clean conscience and of the Lord directing your steps. So all, all of that to say Coppistar, copper star, the men who are afraid have not yet come to terms with their own death. They have not yet come to terms with the life that they have in Christ. They have not yet come to terms with the mission that is bigger than their own safety. And and if we carry on watching the news, we will live in a state of fear. We will live in a state of um, nihilism. There's no use. There's you know, no one wants to be, no one wants to die on a hill alone. But we'd gladly charge a hill with a bunch of brothers. And that's all you need to know is you you just a lot of guys who are afraid also don't know anyone else. They're the only guy. They have yet to also have the moment of meeting other guys, of uh, getting friends, right? The moment you have ride-or-die friends, the moment you, you have real-life friends who you can trust and who are loyal, you can charge a hill. You know, No one wants to die alone. No one wants to die on a hill alone. So as far as a honeypot is concerned, uh, me being accused of being a fed, lamest um, must honeypot. Forgive the blacks, forgive the Jews, forgive the who are the other groups, forgive the Latinos, forgive the woman, marry one, have many children. The most illegal thing we're gonna do around here is drink raw milk. Hypothetically in Minecraft. Cause I think that's the other thing. A lot of dudes are afraid of feds and entrapment and blah blah blah. It's like only if you do only if you do stupid crap. Only if you only if you show up at a capital in a hula shirt. You know, yeah, anyway, let us alone. Howdy. sir. Welcome. Thank you. Fine, sir. I appreciate the encouragement. Copper star. I guess I'm just so used to being an ethno-nationalist in an area of big Mac Republicans. So by the time things started getting crazy, I'd already put so much out there that I'm not going to walk back. You'll find that the, the window will walk to you. You know, we, we, man, a year ago. For any of us to even talk about ethno nationalism confidently, you know, it's you, you're still kind of, I mean, not you, you're an absolute Chad, just out there yeah, putting stuff out there, wearing your brown shirt and all that. But for a lot of guys, you know, this, this move from soy boy liberal uh, to conservative uh, to finally Christian nationalist, you get so much more comfortable speaking about things you believe when you do it with friends and when you know that a whole bunch of other guys believe that you're like oh wait i'm not crazy like the news says i'm not extreme like the news says i'm not a way out there like that. i'm actually a centrist i am i i'm probably a liberal compared to my forefathers you know if you quote the founding fathers you're like well, it's pretty it's pretty hard man am i the liberal <laughs> you know so yeah the the window will walk to you sir bass guitarist feds are obvious. You're obviously not one. Well, I don't know if they're if they're obvious. Or, I appreciate that bass guitarist. Thank you. It's very very kind of you. I mean, I think the easiest way to the easiest way to sow instability and and to destroy trust in a group is to throw a fed thing around. And the easiest way to avoid that is n- number one. Understanding reciprocity and hierarchy and honor again, you know, you don't do things in a group uh, that that are illegal, uh, you know, to to the point of doing stupid things like going to the capital or you know all this kind of stuff. Now you can you can think about civil disobedience and activism. Like, of course, there's there's times for civil disobedience and activism, but you're not going to go and blast, you know, hey, hey chaps, we're all going to meet. <laughs> You know, like for instance, when there were uh, coof mandates, you know, our right, chaps were all going to meet at this place and, you know, just spread the word uh, that this is the thing we're going to go do and do civil disobedience. Like, no, you just keep it amongst your friends. You keep it, keep it amongst the guys you trust. And you know, if things happen, you're, you're not, you're not going to be paying huge penalties. You know, that's the problem with a lot of these fed entrapment things it's like, Oh, let's go uh, redact the governor. It's like idiocy. You know what? Idiocy. Let's go redact the grocery store with an autistic, emotional 18-year-old boy who has every single gun part that is illegal. It's like, you know, no one is, no one is doing that. You know, and then you get killer rights and all these fake ass preachers and academics and media people coming I'm like, oh, white supremacy. Oh. It's like, no, no. And not only no, but it's like, no, these are all, these are all absolute, you know, fed. Plants, you know, it's even hard with who's that group of guys who gets really well, you know, dressed up in their khakis and uh, their their navy blue jackets, and they do organized marching uh, at events and stuff. And it's like, you know, sure, they, they all look, you know, pretty neat and and stuff, but that freaks normies the heck out, you know. And, and what is uh, what is our honeypot attempting to do? We're attempting to move normies into our window. Where there are normies who are just on the outside of our window. And we're trying to move them into our window, you know, to go and dress in brown shirts and go Sig Hail at the at the General Lee Monument. You're not, you know. I look at things like you know, because tons of dudes had that They're like, oh, these are Feds, these are Feds, and other guys are like, no, it's totally Chad and brave. And it's like these are all young men who should be um, absolutely crushing. You know, and, and then they're like, "See, this is the problem with all with all conservatives. You bash any time there's an organized something or other." And it's like organizing a brown shirt march to scare the normies. Praise God, you're organizing. God bless you, guys. You're 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 doing the absolutely wrong. You know, we should be cleaning rivers, and we should be uh, cleaning up after. Protests, you know, help cleaning all the graffiti off of monuments and helping rebuild businesses that were destroyed by black grievance matters. And, you know, we should be, there are things you can organize. We should be helping friends build cheap houses. You know, if 80 chaps in brown shirts, you know, they put in about three or four hours uh, organizing a march at night through a downtown, whatever. It's like, you could put three or four hours into a mate's, cheap piece of land and build them a homestead in, in a night. Plus you can all camp over and have a beer at, at at the campfire and have fun. You know, it's just like, are we building stuff? Maybe that's the easiest way. I don't think feds actually will build anything useful, building constructive. They they want to either they either want to entrap people in obviously illegal and, and stupid crap, or they want to dissipate their building energy into activism or demonstration activism only works if you have institutional power to back it you know so the reason antifa works is because they're all being paid by an by an organization by an ngo to be there you know you get a whole bunch of unemployed dudes you pay them a hundred bucks they will show up and break crap easy game we don't have that we don't have ngo's paying our guys hundreds of bucks to show up and build crap you know we have to do it of our own volition. We have to do it of our own change. Then when they break crap, they they get arrested, right? So now they have NGOs who are paying for their legal, for their bail, for their legal fees. You have NGOs pushing district attorneys into positions to be able to be lenient on those people. These are all the type. Then you have media institutions running cover for them, either just totally memory holding events, not reporting on it, Or if they, you know, it's a mostly peaceful protest. We don't have that. We don't have any of those things. So activism is not our prime street activism as far as going and breaking crap. That's not on our radar. That's not on our radar uh, for a, a clever strategy, a positive strategy for building Christendom. Now, street activism, as far as like going and cleaning stuff up, going and talking to people and presenting a positive vision, you know, Going to, you know, hold, it's okay to, to push a positive vision uh, for what it is you're trying to build, that type of activism. But going and, uh, you know, I digress. Praise God. <laughs> Marcel, do not build your own bulldozer. Well, sir, what a tragedy. Bass guitarist. Also, <laughs> do not build your own bulldozer. Also, do not send very heavy packages to people who are not your friends. A waste of IQ. A waste of welding skills. Bass guitarist. No White Guilt calls them ant-nats. Antique nationalists. That's very, that's very, I would like to hear more about that. I should just start watching No White Guilt's streams, probably. Does he have a podcast? It'll be a lot easier for me to listen to his podcast, I believe. Well, gentlemen, I think that's everything I had to cover. It was a fun rant. I don't think I got anywhere. Did I get anywhere? No, but we had fun. And we spoke about feds. God bless them. I praise God. There has been some wonderful energy on the timeline. uh, Just with this whole white supremacy, slavery, Christian nationalism, uh, grifters, you know, Republican grifters and all that kind of stuff. So keep up, keep up the good white pilling work, keep up the frame, keep up the positive vision. uh, And then may the Lord bless your, uh, your institution building, bless your families, bless your economy. And then, uh, you know, whatever your institution is that you guys are thinking of, uh, you know, what need do you think you can fulfill for your tribe? What problem do you think you can solve for your tribe? You know, and inviting a few friends into that project and and going for it. God bless it. I praise God. Oh, Andrew Graves, welcome my brie. I actually wore your sweet shirt on the weekend that you got me. Uh, Just straight up TIA. This is Africa. Bass guitarist, because they LARP as antique regimes and wear symbols found in antique stores. Yeah, that's a really good point, man. It's a really good point. You know, and that's it as well. You know, it's it's why memetics is so powerful is that if the media can, if the media can call you a Nazi, then you know, you, you immediately lose those normies. If the media can call you a racist, you lose those normies. If the media can call you, you know, name your meme words and symbols and look that they can pin you to, you know, and that's why it's so important to create a positive vision around those things, you know, create a positive vision around your your uniform or your political label, or whatever you know you want to be very uh focused on building the positive vision you know and then when people come around and slur you and you know that's why for me right now like with the slur of racist and white supremacists it's like i have a very positive vision uh for being white i have a very positive vision for my white people and so now the slur whenever the slur comes up i get to point to my positive vision you know the past in the past for a lot of white people, whenever I bloody racist Nazis, you're like, no, we're not, please don't, please. We're not. And so you just, you just fold and, and you you essentially agree with their frame, right? Whereas now when people come and say, I bloody racist and you're like, here's what I'm building. Here's why you are calling me racist. Here's where I'm going. Here's my positive vision. It's that whole thing of all news is good news. You know, if, if there's a, a bad story that comes out about you. It's like, oh, well, actually, uh, just type in my name on Google and what will come up first is my YouTube and my Twitter and my website. You know, please come look at my positive vision. So praise God, praise God. Drongo, it's a bit of a cargo cult behavior. The actual brown shirts didn't just march around all day. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's, yeah, exactly what you say. Basic guitarist, you seriously do need to watch No White Guilt. Uh, You are arriving at a lot of the same observations as him. He streams Sundays, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. CST. Very good, I shall. I shall indeed. Well, praise God, gentlemen. I love you all very much. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. See you all tomorrow.